Just press say hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> Welcome to the Circle of Dads, the space for sharing stories about the struggles and triumphs of fatherhood and learning to become better men. Welcome to the Circle of Dads podcast. My name is Ryan. I'm your host. And we are here um, kind of at a satellite spot today. We're at the Craftworks Coffee in Fort Worth at the Foundry location on Weisenberger. And I'm here with Maurice Ahern. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Did I pronounce that right? You did. Excellent. Well, man, I just wanted to thank you for coming in today and and meeting meeting with me. And and we met um, recently at a TCU game. And you wooed me with sugary treats, and that's uh, one of my love languages, and, and I was just su- stuck after that. But, uh, um, you know, and uh, the reason why why I asked you to come in and interview today, and you so graciously agreed to before I could even finish the sentence, um, we'll get into it in, in a second. But first, tell me about yourself, man. Yeah, my name is Maurice. Um, I uh, started a company, Gold Ribbon Confections, about a year ago over a year ago and um use that to help uh, children uh fighting cancer um i had a son micah who uh, passed away with neuroblastoma a childhood cancer at age seven Uh, he was very connected to the tcu uh, community and um, i also have uh three other children and uh, two stepchildren that's a lot of kids it is what are um tell me about Tell me about your kids. So there's, um, is it Grace, Kate, Eve, and Nolan? Yes. And then Micah. Yes. Th- was, th- was he the youngest? Micah was the next to youngest. So okay. yeah. Um, Grace uh, is the oldest. She's a senior this year. And then there was, there's Nolan. Nolan's in sixth grade. And then Micah. Um, and then Eden, Kate. She, and so the girls are on the end, the boys are in the middle. And yeah. then I have two stepsons, Beckham is the youngest, and then Jack. How old are they? Uh, Jack is turn nine, and uh, Beckham is seven. Yeah. So you lost your son to neuroblastoma. And um, neuroblastoma is a, uh, it's a cancer that attacks the nerves outside the central nervous system is that correct yes it's it's a solid tumor cancer that they're actually what they are these little they're called neuroblasts and which are immature baby cells that when they go in the maturing process and breaking off and how they would form correctly they don't uh uh, form correctly and they lump into uh, uh solid tumors and which in micah's case the the reason we discovered micah had uh, something was wrong is the tumor that formed in him pushed along a a nerve that controlled um, his glands of sweating inside and everything. So okay. actually, when Michael was first died, the first thing that set us off is we're living in another country and Micah, he's hot and half his body, his face, like there's a line, just like a joker where one side is completely red and the other side is is white and on the red side he's sweating the other side not and that went his face down to his chest and that's called horner syndrome but that tipped us off that something was wrong so that tumor was pressing along a nerve um his was in his chest area but it can be in your abdomen 
in different areas like that normally uh, for neuroblastoma. It usually occurs in children, some older children. Very rarely do adults get it. How, how rare is it? I don't know the, st- the statistics on how rare it is. It's normally, um, it's not like lymphoma, leukemia, some of the more um, common cancers that people hear of children. But, uh, um, but like I said, it only occurs in, in children, um, very rarely adults. How old was Micah when you found out that he, um, when you found out that, that diagnosis? He was one, one years old. And we had actually, we were, we were actually in another country when we found out too. So where were you living? We were living in China at the time. So, and, uh, so yeah, we, our whole family, we moved, um, moved over to China and, uh, we were learning language over there and, about three weeks after we moved there, um, my dad uh, got a call from a mother that my dad had been diagnosed with stage four lymphoma, Hodgkin's lymphoma. I had just seen my dad about a month before that. So that was pretty much pretty big shock because my dad looked perfectly fine. Sure. And uh, here we are halfway around the world and um, wondering what do I do? Um, my dad got treatment. He was getting better and uh, looked like the cancer was in remission. And then about six months later, um, Micah started having these little signs that I mentioned where when he sweat, half his face would be red, half be white. And we knew something wasn't right, but, um, and my dad's cancer came back worse in different parts of his body. And so we met with some leadership in Thailand to talk about going to Orlando to help my dad and my mother with his cancer. And while we were in Thailand, we decided to see a doctor about Micah and we saw a neurologist and the neurologist said, you need to have an MRI. And we got an MRI and that's when we found out Micah had a tumor. So here we were meeting to talk about, talk about my father and helping him and finding out now my son has, uh, a tumor and so that changed everything um we packed up everything left everything we could take with us from china and moved to florida okay and we're in orlando and uh, that's where micah initially uh got his surgeries and stuff at arnold palmer children's hospital in orlando that um so your your dad and your mom were in china with you no, they oh. were living in Orlando. Oh, but okay. They, okay. Yeah, they were, sorry. They were living in Orlando, but they called, called or I don't remember how, face mess, Facebook message, something from Orlando letting me know about my dad. On a Facebook message? Yeah, maybe. I don't remember. I think, it, you know, looking back, I don't remember the exact yeah. form. It could have been, it might have even been Skype because at that time we used Skype, so maybe it was Skype. All I remember is, I remember the news of when I found like the news. It, I couldn't believe I was hearing. Sure, but uh, how I don't remember the means of how I yeah, figured it. I was just making a yeah. joke out of because like uh, I picture when people send me important information like invites over Facebook. I'm like, no, 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 no. You need to mail that to me. <laughs> yeah, and and the truth be told, you can't even really get Facebook in China. But we had a VPN that allowed us to get you know the sure. things we love in America. Um. So how old were you or how long ago was that? 
That was uh, we we moved over to China in 2010. Okay, and uh, I mean 2009, and we left there in 2010. So that was around the summer of 2010 when uh, we found out about Micah. When all that happened, correct. That's a heavy. Uh, that's a lot of stuff to process. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you deal with living in another culture in and of itself. Um, especially a culture that's so different. The Eastern cultures are very different than Western. And so when you're learning a whole different way of life, when it comes to food um, and all that, and then now you find out that someone you love has a disease that's killing them, as in your father, and then you find out your son, it's the the capacity to process all that and process it well um, becomes quite a challenge. Yeah, I bet. I mean, I would, if it was me, I think, um, well, I don't even, I'm not even going to attempt to say what I would do. So let's talk about what you did do. What I did do is, uh, sadly, I, I did what I think a lot of men do, and um, I kept it into myself and tried to just, you know, tried to put on a facade of I'm strong and 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 try to be there for the others in my family when at the time um, I wasn't really strong. I was dying on the inside, so to say, but wasn't being humble to let other people know. So so in all reality, I was getting depressed. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a lot of stuff to process and not. Um, well, uh, that's a lot of stuff to take in and not process. Mm-hmm. I guess is what I, what I was trying to say. Um, so you said you had, you know, an, some initial shock, mm-hmm. um, and then you just you shoved everything down. Mm-hmm. How long did that work? Uh, not well, not long, <laughs> not so, long, not long. Because uh, the thing you learned is like, no matter how well you think you can do stuff on your own, it really does affect others around you. Absolutely. And so. Um, it, it affected my family. It, it just affected even my performance at at what I did. Yeah. I mean, I I could, I could definitely see that, uh, because I've been in situations to where I I don't, um, take care of myself. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I don't, I just shove it down there. And like you said, like most guys do, like, I don't need to complain about this. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it just kind of bubbles up and erupts in you and it doesn't end up very well. No, never does. Um, yeah, that's, uh, I wouldn't, I think that's one of those things that for me, at least it is, uh, you can handle that. However you see fit. If your response was, you know, start throwing things and, you know, burn down the shed in the backyard and scream running up and down the street naked, you get a pass, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that's some heavy stuff to take on and yeah. In a in a in, what was it? A couple days. Uh, when we found out with Micah and the reality of that, he had to get that that operated on immediately. That all was about in a week's time of going back from Thailand to China, packing everything, and then flying our family over to Orlando, meeting with doctors there, and then. It, and again, up till that time, I had never seen my dad, the man who I pictured as the strong person in my life, to sure. see him, how cancer had just ravaged his body and turned him into a frail 
Love you, man. So all that in that week's time, uh, um, yeah, it was it was a blur. <laughs> but yeah, it, it had a lot going on. And then, yeah, which you can imagine if you try to keep it in and try to do, it's got to go somewhere. And oh, so I just yeah. kept pressing it further down and just kept thinking I need to be strong. And, and now, you know, I look back and I can tell and through – through the journey it, it just pride i just the pride of not wanting to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and uh but it's it's foolish i mean we need I, i'm a firm believer now we need other men um we need people in our lives that we can be open about and vulnerable because the reality is everyone has struggles and uh you know i i believe we we were made to have relationships and um we're not meant to do it alone. And so, um, so yeah, that process is a painful process of going through all that, but in the process of learning, um, the value of having men that actually walked with me and spoke truth into my life, especially during the periods when it just, things started falling apart. When it's getting dark, mm-hmm. you gotta have people that bring the light, man, mm-hmm. whatever that light is for your particular group of people, mm-hmm. you know, and just as long as somebody's bringing positivity, bringing truth, bringing love, mm-hmm. You know, uh, whether it's building you up or knocking you back down a few pegs, I mean, mm-hmm. that we just need that in our life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I picture stuff like that, um, you know, and you hear all the things, men sharpening men, iron sharpens iron. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you got three guys that love each other and they're walking down a path and one of them's holding three big boulders, mm-hmm. three big stones, and is just trying to act like it's not heavy and it doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. And the other two guys are just, you know, swinging their arms, whistling chances are those other two guys would be happy to carry part of that load, you know? And, and I think as men, whenever we share with each other, whenever we're there for each other, we, they, we, we, we carry that burden or that load. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, I mean, you just all become stronger. Your, I agree. Your bond becomes stronger. You be, your character becomes stronger. You might get that load handed to you and drop it and realize you don't want to carry that. Like, no, that's a little too much. And then you, and then it kind of brings in the, why can't I handle that kind of intimacy? Why can't I handle that kind of load? I agree so much. In fact, uh, just the other day was at a, a tailgate party. Okay. And uh, a friend of mine, along the ride all the way to the tailgate party, he was just venting stuff on me. And uh, he doesn't normally do that, but he was just letting all these like frustrations out. And then he was apologizing over and over, just saying, man, right. I'm so sorry. And I said, no, 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 don't be sorry. Because this same man, during my period of when I was going through some extreme brokenness in my life, made himself available and just listened to me boo-hoo and whine. In my periods where I thought life didn't have any hope, he was one that was there for me. And I wouldn't be where I am today. So I said to him, I'm like, no, stop that. I'm like, how I see it is you've got a lot of deposits in the bank. And so I'm like, you, you, you know, got store credit. Yeah, you got store credit. So like, don't, don't do that. I'm like, I needed it. You need it. That's what we're here for. And so, you know, you carried my load. I'm here to help you carry your load. Because like you said, it's not easy for men to be vulnerable. It's not easy. And that doesn't mean like, you know, that we just have to just emote over everything. Mm-hmm. But you know, there are things that require some some moderation that require some uh some venting, some some release that you can't just carry around. Mm-hmm. And you also never know when you drop something on your buddy's lap and he's like, oh whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. I, I've got the same experience, man. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's really not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. It seems like it is right now, and I'm not taking away from that, but here's how you address the situation and 
Yeah, absolutely. And here's how I did it, at least. Mm-hmm. You know, don't tell them how to do it, yeah. but this is what I did. And, yeah. and I ended up, you know, not putting a pistol in my mouth. So it worked out pretty well. Yeah. Um, the And also the fact that if another man will come to you like that, mm-hmm. if it's someone that trusts you so much that he'll come to you, that's that's an honor. Mm-hmm. That's a badge of, or not a badge of pride, but that's a, um, that that just shows what kind of man he thinks you are. He obviously respects you enough emotionally and, and that he knows that you are uh, a trustworthy man of integrity that he can bring this stuff to you. And you're not going to be like posting it on Facebook <laughs> as soon as you get done. Yeah, absolutely. The, like a, a humbling thing through this whole process is that um, is when after going through what I've gone through is the different men that I've been able to speak into. And so like men that. I have nothing in common with on sure. the outside, but but I have common because they're experiencing deep pain. And uh, one one man that lost his daughter, um, and that was a common thing. We both lost a kid, and this man um, just just broken. And so, and me having the privilege just to sit there and listen and encourage him, like I I don't take that for granted because that's. Like, again, I wouldn't be here today, but if it wasn't for those people that did it for me. So now, like, people will come to me. They'll be like, whether it's struggling with faith or with their addictions or different things. And, and man, just being able to listen and hear them and let them get, because I know the value of just getting that out. Just that's the first step is being is for a man to lay aside that pride, lay aside that thing and be open and be vulnerable is a huge step in, in any recovery to anything. And, and that if, if someone trusts me to do that, that's a huge honor. And so being able to do that, but then just being able to encourage them and say, hey, you know what? You're not alone. You know what? I've, I've been where you are. Um, we're, you know, I don't completely understand because I can't completely understand. Everyone's past different, but, but I want you to know that I'm here for you and to, that you have freedom and that you can trust and just... Um, because again, I, I experienced that in my own life and, and I'm, I, I can't again say thank you enough to all the people that helped me. So it's just a natural, a natural desire to want to help others. People think sometimes like, well, why would you want to talk about your son feeling? Because like, yeah, it does hurt sometimes because absolutely I miss my son. I miss my father, but at the same time as like, I see the value in being able to share and being able to encourage and being able to help others. And so, um, yeah, there's pain in it, but there's also a lot of good that I'm, I'm able to help and encourage and be a part in others. And so, yeah, it's a, it's an honor. It's an honor to do it and don't take it lightly. That's, um, I don't imagine anybody could ever say, Hey, you're going to be, it's going to be okay. You know, like mm-hmm. I imagine that would be a little because I've been in situations where everybody's like, hey, man, it's going to be fine. Yeah. Like, don't tell me that yeah, shit no, right now, man. No. Yeah, that's that doesn't help. And it's like I I will be OK, but I, I'm i just never going to be the same. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to be OK. It's, it's not going to be the same. And You're, that's OK. And that's OK. Exactly. exactly. It's just you've got to learn to live a new way. Mm-hmm. And that's um, just that. 
just that thought, you know, sends chills down my spine as a father. And we'll talk more about Micah. Um, tell me about your other kids and how they kind of process this whole deal. I'm sure there was a whole just uh, prism of, of emotions and reactions and um, transformations in that process of how each child, and they're all young kids. Mm -hmm. So they're all going, they're all developing, you know, some things they understand, some things they don't, the abstract thought, and you know, I mean, just uh, that whole deal. Um, how did you see your, your children um, react to this? And how did you try to show up for each child on an individual level as their father to make sure that they, they knew that they were, um, um, that everybody was just as big a part as the family? You know, everybody had an equal part, I guess is what I'd ask. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so every child handled it differently. Obviously, your personality plays a lot into just what you do with with uh, what's thrown at you and so um and of course age too um but they're still dealing with it they're still going through it and that's the thing about grief you never really get over grief you just learn how to deal with grief and um but grief is the byproduct of loving someone the more you love someone the more you grieve deeply and so they like they all love their brother deeply and so um but as a father, I'm extremely proud of how they, they've handled what they've gone through. Um, most children never have to experience what they experienced, and uh, they're still, they're still around and still doing well. And um, that's a testament to their mother, um, testament to, um, to myself to others who have who have not given up and been there for them and so part of um part of the thing is i think one thing that i had to learn with myself but also with the kids is just prior to everything with micah and going through all that i was really hard on myself and i never really gave myself grace i was always um it just, I was the hardest on myself. And, but that's learning that how I needed grace and to give myself grace. But that same thing as each child um, needed grace. Um, and let them struggle and let them go through their struggle, but be there for them and uh, not try to push um, and not try to fix. Um, which is really hard because as men, we want to fix stuff Yeah, and, uh, saying, you know what, I've got to not try to fix this. Um, I've just got to be there. And so, so yeah, each one's different. Some have held it in and they don't share much, but when they do share, yeah, it's a lot. Open and so it's come out. Yeah. And just. But when that happens, that's like the most precious thing. But but you have to be there and be available to do it. And part of what I've learned, I wish I learned this sooner, 
but is, and this is why I think it's so valuable for men is, um, children don't need perfect fathers. Um, they just need fathers who are real. And so they need to see like, Hey, you know what? You're, it sucks that you lost your brother. It does suck. Don't try to sugarcoat it. Tell it. Tell them how you feel. Like, be open. Let them know your struggles with it. But then allow them the freedom to share their struggle with it and not try to, you know, fix it or try to be like, oh, it's going to be all right or what. You know, let them get what they have out. But also, also as they do, just validate them in their feelings, but also yeah. encourage them, like, you know, help them look for things to celebrate, mm-hmm. um, celebrate their brother, um, ways to celebrate that, but also remember the good memories, but also encourage them like, Hey, what can you do as uh, you know, what can you do to continue to celebrate your brother, but also to be who you are, um, you know, because that's one thing as going through cancer, they had to, they had to have a lifestyle that, Sometimes as a child, you get often overlooked because the sibling with the cancer gets all the energy, it gets all the attention. And so that's something we had to fight hard on trying to trying not to let that happen. But it naturally happens. And now that sibling's gone and now they're trying to wrestle with that. Mm. And you're as a parent, you're trying to, you know, what do I do? But that but still at the same time, realizing. Allowing them the freedom to grieve giving them the grace, but at the same time, helping them to focus on just who they are and just the great thing of who they are and what they can be. Man, that's beautifully put. Um, you know, each child is an individual. I like how you said that. And, and, and they, they don't grieve like you grieve. They don't, you know, they don't have our life experiences. They don't have the ragged edges that we may have as men. You know, they don't have the baggage that we show up with. They're, they're children, they're kids. And so sometimes I catch myself expecting my daughter to react or treat things like I treat them. Well, <clears throat> truth be told, um, in reality, she probably shouldn't do that at all because <laughs> I am usually not a, um, an e- I usually don't take the easy, easier, softer <laughs> way. Um, but just like as long as it, I would imagine, and I'm not a grief counselor, but as long as a child gets to express their own individual feelings, however they see fit, because they were, they are their feelings. Mm-hmm. We nobody gets to tell us how to feel. Mm-hmm. But as long as they're being respectful to themselves and the others, to others, then then I could only see that as a healthy mm-hmm. output. But like, you know, uh, being kind of oppressive or or um, or telling them how they should grieve. I just, I don't think that's very healthy. And I'm glad that you, uh, just meeting you, I'm proud that, 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 that you, that you showed up for him like that, you know I mean? Cause we are flawed and I mean, to our kids, we're giants and we're bigger than life. Um, we are gods in their eyes, you mm-hmm. know, because we're the big people and, <clears throat> um, I always kind of laugh when I see small kids around dogs Hmm. because it's our dog, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's a hundred pound. We have a dog, Gus, he's a shepherd lab mix. And he's, in my opinion, the most majestic creature to ever walk this earth. Um, but he's a hundred pounds 
and and he's beautiful and mm -hmm. sweet. But when I see him next to children, it kind of makes me think like it gives me that perspective of that's like a giant horse to them. Mm -hmm. So I picture how we look to them. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we're huge. And so if we're the type of parent having that that presence to where we're always down on them and, bark, bark, you know, barking at them and telling them how they're going to be, that's just not a very good it's just not a very healthy or, or warm way to navigate through life, I would think. And, I agree. And letting them just kind of flourish and do their thing and 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 just, yeah, man, go go take that bat and beat the hell out of that bush and see if that fixes it. No? All right, let's go over here and try this. You know, I mean, you want to break some bottles or yeah. do you want to just cry? You want to punch a pillow? You want to talk about it, draw a picture? I can't imagine how I would address that situation because it's easy to say here, but being in it, you know, it'd be hard to see the forest through the trees. It is. It is. And that's the value of having people in your life to help you see through. Like, if I did it alone, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to. But, but humbling myself to put me around counselors or going to, like, grief classes or going to things where I can allow myself to have those things spoken into me. <clears throat> I'm not by any means. Like, I still mess up. I don't parent my kids perfectly i get on them sometimes but 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 i'm i'm a different person than i was and i'm going to be a different person and yeah and so that's like and that's the great thing is because i i've got people that are one helping me along the way but cheering me on that i'm investing in learning and things and um and that again is that's the real value of just just letting go of pride and um this and here's a good example my son nolan uh had his first soccer games this past saturday um he's been wanting to play soccer for a while and uh when he was about three or four we had him in a soccer league and it went disastrous like the first game he sat in the middle of the field and just went crazy because he didn't want to run he was hot sweaty and so we didn't even make it through the whole season i've been a, yeah. yeah and i, I was you. determined like okay this is never gonna happen so when he started like deciding to like pick up soccer and like it and he was asking in the back of my head i'm like no i can just remember that thing but you know i was just like well we'll ride this out see and he just kept doing more and more and so finally his mom and i decided to let him do soccer and uh, his first game and my son um, he's a very smart child and just has all this knowledge and sometimes thinks he knows more than he than he really does but he's just very very knowledgeable kid well he's always wanted to be a goalie mm -hmm. and uh, so I'm trying to explain to him you know like the realities of that you know trying to be a dad and uh, but it doesn't matter he's still like you know I got it. I got it I'm gonna be a goalie so like First game out there, never played, never played soccer on a league before. And uh, he just saying to the coach, coach, I want to get him a goalie. And they put him in there. Put and me in. put me in coach. And I'm like praying in my head, please don't let this go back because shots are coming at him left and right. But he's just out there just going at it and stopping him. And um, I learned something that day from my son is like a one is about confidence because you know what he he believed like he believed that he could do it and just went out there and did it he didn't let all the fears and everything else he just went out there and did it and and i was so proud to see my son who's gone through all he went through 
and is going through just to go out there and do something and believe in himself. And he just, he shined it. He surprised so many people out there. And uh, so afterwards, after the game, just being able to go up there, give him a hug and just say in his ear, I am so proud of you. Like you were so confident. Just tell him all that. But at the same time, it's just like, you know what? You know who else is really proud of you? Your brother's really proud of you. And I know he was seeing you today and cheering you on. And just that kind of thing of, you know, the validating his thing, but just saying, hey, man, I'm proud of you. Um, but I really did. My son taught me something that day as a father. So when you say how, like how they're handling, like they each handle in different ways, but celebrate the good things they do and like, and uh, let them have the opportunities to do things and just like, and uh, you you might be surprised what you might learn in the process and what you might get to see in, in it. I'm just, I'm just really happy for him and proud for him. That's awesome that he, he, he went out there and shined like that. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of this quote, no man can walk through the same river twice because when he returns, he's a new man. Mm -hmm. He's not the same man in the rivers, new, a new river. Uh -huh. It's like, you just figured it was going to be the same deal. And then he came out there and showed you that. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Uh, you know, uh, celebrating their wins, but not just like celebrating like, wow, you went out there and killed it. You know, mm -hmm. daddy loves you when you kill it, you know, or when you're really good at something, but going out there and like, man, you, you really got out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Like you went out there and I would have been terrified mm -hmm. and, and you just, you did amazing. Mm -hmm. Well done. So, um, what are your other kids into? What are, do they, have they developed hobbies and you've got a, you got a daughter that's a senior. Yeah, she's senior. She's uh, studying to go into nursing. And then so she's already doing like college prep classes and college, actually college classes. And then uh, my youngest, um, she's uh, in doing tumbling now. Okay. So uh, she's having two older brothers. She was always kind of into whatever they were into. Yeah. Um, so she'll kick the soccer ball. She'll do that. But she's also does all the girl stuff, too. But she's into tumbling right now. And in the midst of always doing upside down somersaults and flips and handstands and all that. So you said, um, you mentioned your wife, mm -hmm. Linda, mm -hmm. um, right. and how she kind of held it all together. And, and, uh, let's talk about her. Let's talk about that. How, um, how did, how did she react I mean, obviously there's the devastation and the shock and the, I mean, we just, that's a blanket statement. Mm -hmm. it, it sucks and it's horrible. And there's a lot of snot and tears in that, that part. But like, you know, kind of when you wipe your face off and like, okay, this is, this is, this is our reality now. Um, how did you see her shine and, and, and help, and like, where did you see her shine the most in that? Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, just a little on that too, because I'm talking about being vulnerable. Okay. And, uh, so, um, it would, I, I need to live up to my words, but like I, we went through a divorce and, um, through all the, uh, the stuff going on and, and the stress of all that. And then just things, every marriage has its problems, sure. but when it's in a pressure cooker, 
so to say it, all those problems are even magnified. And so not being able to work through those problems, um, um, we ended up getting divorced over about two years ago. And so, um, and that as a dad, I thought I was going to be the worst thing for my kids too, because, um, here they're going through these struggles of losing their, uh, brother and now their parents. And I, I didn't want that for a thing, but then they're having to come to grips of like, okay, this isn't going to work out now what I need to make the best of it and do the best. So all that to say is like in the process is like, we both had our struggles through it, but she, um, she was always really strong. She's a strong person and, uh, just really, she fought hard for Micah and, um, but she also fought hard for the kids to make sure they weren't uh, forgotten. Um, that's something mentioned earlier is a lot of times with cancer kids, they, um, their siblings get lost and she always fought really hard to make sure that didn't happen. And I'm a, I'm a firm believer that part of the reason the kids are where they are today is because of her recognition in that. So, um, that, that strength that she had, um, definitely helped through that. Um, and just again, is, is, um, we both have faith and just the importance of faith. Um, there were times where I questioned and I had my real doubts and, um, my deep valleys, deep nights of a soul. So I would call them. And there were periods where she had the same thing. And, uh, um, usually when she was in those, I wasn't vice versa, but to, but even through, even though we had those, it's still that time of like, it still was there for the kids, so to say. And so, um, even though when we didn't understand it, being open, that's something, uh, she, she's always been to is very open about our feelings. Mm-hmm. And so that's helped the kids too, is to be, to realize the importance of expressing, yourself. expressing oh, yeah. yourself. And so, and like emotions are, emotions are good. And even the ones that are sometimes that we might look at as bad, like anger is not always bad. It's an emotion. It's, it's what you do with it that can sometimes, but, but it's okay if you're angry, you know, it's, that's an emotion, you know, your emotions are good. So, so yeah, there's definitely, I'd say those are some of the real strong, strong things that, that she was able to really help. And, and, and I really am thankful for uh, you know, emotional intelligence is not something men often get credit for. Mm-hmm. You know, women are typically um, the ones that are the bearers of such, you know, such traits. It's, um, I could imagine in that situation that it would be very hard for children to not, to not gain a, almost a resentment mm-hmm. at, the, at the child the sibling that's sick, you know, and then also have to battle with that inner turmoil of someone they love. And, and, and like you said, I mean, it's their brother. Um, but then also having that, that resentment that they can't just often put words to because they're too young to understand what it is, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and then how that might act out in, um, kind of come to surface in different ways. Um, uh, like you said, like ang- anger, is not a, a a bad emotion. It's, 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 
it's a part of our DNA and it's there for a reason. Mm -hmm. It's just like sadness and joy is, is there for a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's how you, you utilize each emotion and, and how long you stay in it mm -hmm. and, you know, to what extreme that, that is whether or not, uh, you're emotionally fit, not emotionally fit, but you know, just, mm -hmm. uh, that balance. Um, well, children don't necessarily have that, I wouldn't think. And so mm -hmm. battling with that would be very difficult and very, um, I guess would cause a lot of strife within the family. And, and you, you'd think you were seeing one thing that's not really that at all. And, and, and it's how wonderful that they had their mother to show up with that, that attention and that love and that forethought to, to be there for them in that capacity, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, and then obviously teach you something in, in the process, mm -hmm. because now I would imagine, or next time that you speak to a man in this, in this situation, you're going to be able to tell him like, make sure you don't miss any recitals. Mm -hmm. Baseball practice is still on Saturday at five, mm -hmm. you know, like you still got to do that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But, but also know that there's a season like, you know, I mean, what, um, energy needs to ebb and flow. So it's like, Hey, your little brother's going through an operation. We, we got to miss baseball practice mm -hmm. there, you know, mm -hmm. um, and that all just kind of rat rattled off, but that was just this steady stream of consciousness that was running through my mm -hmm. head. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you and Linda got divorced. Mm -hmm. um, I, I can. Um, you hit the troubles that one would would figure would come up in such a situation, mm -hmm. and and but then you have since remarried. Correct. And your new wife is Amanda. 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 Yes. And um, can you tell me about that dynamic and, and uh, the dynamic with the children and maybe with the ex and, and the new, because you have two stepsons now, correct? Correct, yes. How do y'all navigate through those waters and what's that like? And Yeah, good questions and, and uh, still learning how to navigate <laughs> through those problems. Those, uh, We're putting up sandbags, yeah, that's so how. Yeah, learning, but you know, it's, uh, um, it, it, it's, uh, it's a journey, but it, there's joy in the journey, so to say. Um, but Amanda, um, so when started going through all the losing the dad and marriage starting to fall apart, and then Micah, um, and that period of having to open up about pride and open up about things that I really needed help on, but I was unwilling to let people know that I needed help. And in that period of where, okay, now my life's falling apart. And if I don't really do this, there's no hope. And so, um, that's where, uh, opening up to some men, some that were in church, some that were worked with and others, but, um, I'm in that process getting more involved in groups and getting connected with things is, uh, one of the groups I was in, um, my now wife Amanda was in and um, sh purely friends just being in the same group and doing life together just seeing her go through all that she was going through she went through a really really rough divorce and really um, but how the divorce didn't define her um, and how through that it actually turned her into a, a better and a stronger person so to say and and seeing her strength and seeing her vulnerability and seeing her, how her family rallied around her and seeing that example in my life, just 
in the thing of just doing life together with a group of people is um, the friendship uh, evolved. And then um, in that process of um, in the process of when after we got after Lynn and I got divorced, I remember I remember vividly the first week I was in my apartment by myself. Um, it sucked, honestly, because like I've never been in so much quiet because I'm there all alone. And my kids aren't there. I didn't want that to be that way, but the reality was it's that way. And now that real struggle of like, do I waller in self pity or what? And so that's where a lot of just days of some real mind, just searching, soul searching. And, um, they were hard days, but I think where a lot of stuff came out of, um, and that's where, um, that getting involved and then, um, I, in that period, I thought like, I remember the questions like, there's no way my life could, anything good could come from it was one of the questions I thought, because I had planned my life up to that point. I had it pretty planned out of what I thought it was going to look like. And now it looked nothing like it. I don't think any dad ever plans when he sets out that, you know, my marriage is going to end in divorce or, or one of my children going to die. That's not how planned or I'm going to not make what job I wanted to be. Um, but the reality is here, here in that, and I'm saying, can anything good come of this? Can I, can I be, um, can I be married again? Um, how will that be on the kids? You know, I don't want to put anything on the children that would, uh, make their lives any harder because like as a father, I already, I love my kids deeply and don't want to put anything more. So for a period of time, it was like the farthest thing from my light, my mind is like, nah, I'll just stay single the rest of my life, so to say. But it's funny just how life happens and, and how she just, we were in things together and just seeing and became a friend and, and, uh, my best friend and someone who we, we, um, she actually, my ex, um, uh, Linda knows her and, uh, um, said, you know, it had like, this is who I want. Like if I was to pick someone that my kids would have, this is who I'd want, which uh, yeah, take a lot of, there's a lot of respect in that because, you know, I value that opinion. And, uh, um, that's, I wasn't going to just get into relationship to have a relationship. Like if I got in a relationship again, it was going to be someone who really loved my kids and really understood what they went through and would be there to, to again, give them the grace. And, and, uh, that's something my ex even saw of Amanda is that because she's gone through a lot and she's a very caring heart. And, um, um, she just has loved my children. She also knew of Micah. And, uh, um, so the kids have fallen in love with her. Um, you know, there's the challenges of, uh, <laughs> You know, blended family is not easy. No, it's and, yeah. And so, like, but it doesn't mean that a blended family can't can't be great. But it's it's got its challenges, and that's where, um, 
you know, where the first part of my life, where the pride kept me from really seeking and searching and trying to get people involved, this time I'm like, no. No, I need all the yeah, help I, I need can get. I need all the help hey, I man, can Can you get. come over next Tuesday? You know? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, um, you know, that's what's been, even though it's got its challenges, is that, you know what, there's other people that are doing it that have done it. You know, surround yourself around them and let them be a part and it it's been kind of great the journey so far it's it's yeah having the um having other strong people around is is i mean that's paramount and and you managed i just want to touch on something real quick to have an ex-wife say something like that is rare Mm -hmm. so that shows an enormous amount of uh maturity emotional intelligence which we already touched on but to have found the type of woman that she would say that about you know that's pretty rare so you managed to pull that off twice and most guys can't even do that once so i'm over here looking at you thinking it's the pastries <laughs> yeah you want them over with cookies you sneaky son of a bitch that's yeah, how you do yeah. it i win people over but then they end up hating me later because <laughs> all the sweets catch up with you oh <laughs> don't you blame me for that yeah, yeah exactly but <laughs> you made those choices yeah it's like why are you bringing that stuff home <laughs> because it's delicious here eat this yeah. and we'll finish this conversation yeah so briefly what advice would you give yourself if you could go back and whisper in the ear of Maurice the day before he found out that Micah had the tumor? What would you tell him? Hmm, that's a good question. Having a, I think because of the Maurice then and uh, how the Maurice viewed himself then played a lot on, on how Maurice acted. I, I remind myself whispering who I really am and, uh, I had a low, low view of myself sure. and, uh, um, to, to remind myself that, you know, Hey, who I am. Um, and again, I'm a person of faith and that, Hey, you know what? God loves you, even though in all that, you know, in that period where you're really questioning. Um, but I, I think I'd also remind myself just to say hey maurice you need others don't do this alone um don't do it alone and so um micah one thing like to this day my son's taught me more than anything is resilience Mm -hmm. a thing he always would say is never ever give up and uh when I, that's something that's been in my mind since day one, even when I was going through the divorce and feeling like I'm giving up, but realizing like, what does that really look like? And like, and how life, what life's like. And, um, the just resilience when you get knocked down or when life doesn't go the way you don't get the deck of cards you think you should, or things don't is you just get back up and keep going. And so that thing of just like, hey you know what it might get really hard but don't give up just keep going so i think maybe those are some of the some of reminders like if i had to whisper something and if i could share with other people is just encourage like i know men are going through stuff um and we all have our own battles our own personal battles and just if i could encourage is like just 
don't try to do it on your own. Um, your kids need a dad who models, hey, dad's not perfect. Dad doesn't have it all together. But you know what? Dad's doing all he can to be a better person. And that's, that's, kids need to see, they need to see authentic, not perfect, but authentic. And they need to see that if, hey, if mess happens, I can still be something through the mess. And um, that resilience and like, and you can't do that on your own. It's impossible. Um, and that's where just, just be open, reach out to a friend, reach out to someone and, 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 and let them know. Um, because chances are they might be struggling with the same thing or they might know someone who is. And, and it, I know I'm a living, living proof of that in my life. So fast forward, it's the day before Michael went home. What would you tell yourself then? I think I'd still remind myself of some of the same things, the same things that I needed to know at the beginning is to remind myself then because like, um, the initial beginning was hard mm -hmm. and you think all the stuff. But then when you actually lose someone, it's hard. And so the same reminders that I needed at the beginning of the journey, I still would have needed at the end. Because as where it looked like maybe death, that it was over, the journey wasn't actually over. It was just beginning. And what I've learned is like death's in a sense is final, but it's not. And um, there was still life, the life of my children, my other children, still the life of picking up the broken pieces sure and doing something and so the same i needed what i needed at the beginning probably even more so i would think the same yeah just remind hey don't stop don't stop it's not going to be the same but it's going to be okay exactly so um you have um you started gold ribbon uh, confections mm-hmm and a portion of that goes to, um, is it the Superhero Micah Foundation? There's some various things. So some have gone to a Superhero Micah Foundation, but basically the whole re reason for gold ribbon confections is is gold. the gold ribbon is the color for childhood cancer. Yeah. And so um, briefly, if I could share. Please. Um, when I talked about men being in my life, yeah. um, when Micah was first diagnosed, we were living in Orlando. Um, and that was a period of depression. And I'm trying to figure out what am I going to do? How am I going to provide for my family? I don't have a job at that time. We're living in a borrowed house, borrowed car, no insurance and all those things of trying to figure out how to make this work. And I'm eating at a restaurant and I'm like, man, this food's great. And I go, online to find out more about the restaurant and anyways that restaurant the man who started that restaurant actually um started to help a family with cancer um he was a successful businessman in the pharmaceutical world went into early retirement and he had a hobby that he developed here in texas from his wife he met um brisket not trained in it not but it was a hobby and then when he found out this kid had cancer he decided to to use that hobby to raise money funds for their cancer well that created a movement and that movement ended up into a restaurant but i just said hey can i can i work 
I need a job. My child has cancer. So they hired me. I did whatever I could. But then I ended up being their baker and did that for the next six months. But during those six months, that man, John Rivers, and also Jeff Palermo, they were able just, they took me and they spoke things in my life. Um, they took time out for me. Um, and uh, one of the things John says, said at that time, in my period of depression where I couldn't even like really grasp everything, but he said, Maurice, he's like, He's like, I really believe everyone's gifted. Everyone has a gift. And we spend most of our life pursuing what we think will make us happy. But when we pursue that gift and do what we're gifted, that's where we really find happiness. And like, I heard it, but I didn't get it. Um, but then once Micah passed and I'm sitting there and like, what now? What now do I do with my life? Those words that John spoke six years before, I was like, what am I gifted at? I'm like, well, I like to bake. Um, well, can I use that baking to do something? And that's kind of where gold ribbons kind of birthed, but it all happened six years before because of a man who took the time to, to just speak into me, give me an opportunity. And, uh, that same man would do a lot giving back. And so gold ribbon, the whole purpose is to just be able to one is to give back and, I don't have Micah with me in person, but I have the memories of Micah. They, I'll always have the memories. And a lot of those memories were provided by things like Make-A-Wish, Kids, Kids, uh, different organizations that, that, that gave our family stuff that we were able to have good memories with him. And so um, part of Gold Ribbons is to be able to give back to, to organizations like that, Make-A-Wish, different things that so that they can continue to do that to kids. So a portion goes to that, but a portion also goes to organizations helping with childhood cancer, like the Neuroblastoma Foundation at Cook Children's or like the Superhero Micah or various things of that. So it's all, uh, the whole purpose is to provide something that tastes great and people can sense the care in the product, but also they see the care that goes beyond the product into the cause of, of hey, you're helping out kids and families that are going through. And so my, my hope is just to take something I love doing and, and maybe make the world a little better place uh, like my son did. So I, uh, you gave us some of those cookies that you said that Micah inspired. Yeah. I inspired those off my son, Micah, because he, uh, when he went through chemo, he lost kind of his love for chocolate. And sure. so, but he, he he got to go to Hawaii on his Make a Wish, uh -huh. and so um, and he loved almond joys. <laughs> and so, like, I was trying to think of, okay, how can I do something that that it's kind of like an almond joy, but yeah, that tastes like but chocolate. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but that's totally represents my a little bit of my son, and that when people taste it, they're like, wow, that's different because that's the way my son, what like he just had that influence on people. So. It just a thing like I came up with just trying to think of how. And so, unfortunately, he never really got to enjoy those. That was a thing of like, I want something that represents him. And, uh, you know, and that's kind of how that cookie came about. So I'd like to share with you, um, you know, when we walked up to your dessert cart and I saw his little, you know, placard mm -hmm. thing, um, I picked it up and I started reading it. And I, I put it back because I was like, I, I can't, I can't, I can't look at something like that right now, you know, because it, 
I mean, how just the heartstrings, you know, and then y'all went back down and, and came around and we'd asked you some questions about a few of the things. And then I grabbed one and then you handed me the cookie and, uh, said, and my son inspired this and gave us the quick, you know, the, the very quick little pitch, not mm-hmm. pitch, a uh, mm-hmm. little ex- explanation. And, and I, you know, I was just drawn to, to speak to you more. So you walk off and then I chased you down and said, Hey, would you, would you consider coming and coming on the show? And I mean, you said yes immediately. And, um, so I was really excited about that, but, but, uh, also like I shared with you very you know, anxious and nervous because I wanted to respect, mm-hmm. um, your son and your family and, and his memory. What I wanted to share the most is my wife and I sat down and ate those cookies. And, uh, I don't eat cookies a lot. I love, I mean, I love sweets, but I don't typically just eat cookies. And, um, I ate that one and it was so unique. It was such a different taste. I remember the experience of it and it kind of, it gave me joy, not the joy that you usually get from a sugar rush, but just, it gave me a different feeling knowing what kind of love was in it and what kind of hurt and triumph and, and, you know, all the emotions that were in that and, and the spirit of your, of your son, I just felt, um, and it's ridiculous from a cookie, but I mean, it just, I, I, I felt more alive, you know, more connected. And, um, I think that it's awesome that something like that, that you can share with somebody, it just, it just kind of spreads his spirit. It totally does. And that's where I said, God used a man named John Rivers at a period and when I was so depressed to speak some things and that it took that many years later for me to finally go, boom, I get it. And like, there's a saying, Pablo Picasso said, the meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. And that's basically what John had said previous, but like, you didn't hear it until six until years later. Yeah. And now, but now that's when people say, what makes gold ribbons different? Well, I don't claim to be the best baker. I don't claim to be the best cake maker. I don't claim like there are plenty of great people out there. But I can tell you, this is like there is a heart and a passion and a love that's in it. And there's a cause that's really dear to heart. And like, that's the thing where I finally get is like, I get to do something that I believe like, I was made to do and I also get to be able to 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 do good for others and like and like I love it like starting a business is not easy it's downright hard (laughs) it's It's, a lot of stressful thing but you know what I wouldn't trade it in for the world and so to hear you say even something like that is like that's the whole kind of purpose of of like the way my son created experiences like I want to create those same experiences and so like it's just a reaffirmation again of like uh when I started this whole process of like when I talked about how pride was a big thing in my my life, fear was too. Yeah. And I let fear cripple me to do stuff. And starting a business was a huge huge That's huge a leap. leap. It's a huge leap and every step of the way has been like, you know, again, but like Things like what you just said is, again, like, when I did it, I really believed in it. And I'm like, I'm not going to let something I believe in keep me from ever trying. Even if I fail, at least I tried. And that's something I learned from my son about that never, ever give up. At least I tried. And so 
just thank you for sharing that. It's an encouragement because like, that's my hope is that when people get them, it just brings like, one is not that it tastes great, but it creates an experience. It creates a thing. And that's what Micah did. Um, and that's what I continue to want to do is to be able to create that for people, but also for the kids going through, yeah. through it. And I think you're going to be able to use your experience and your strength to help the parents and help the other men and, and to continue to, to spread your, your, your message of hope and um, love and acceptance and grace um, throughout your path of everywhere you go. Um, I watched some of the videos of Micah. I watched the, the video um, about the TCU baseball team and how they you know, he had a contract with them and he was mm-hmm. an honorary athlete mm-hmm. and, and they gave him a jersey and he had a locker mm-hmm. there in the room. And, um, you know, when they came back from from Omaha and they mm-hmm. went straight to y'all's house and y'all had a Nerf gun war. Yeah. And, yeah. And they, that was when he was on towards the last days, last weeks of his life, too. He was actually on he was on hospice care at the time. And so um, in the stages of palliative and hospice and they came and did that. And just one is it speaks to one, the coach, but the men, those young men were. But it just meant so much to Micah. I mean, they parked at the end of the street with their bus and here come all these guys and they just walked down and they just played Nerf gun with him and he just ate it up. And so and that's so I mean, if you take that into context, I mean, they're the what what, what age would those boys be? The 22? Yeah, yeah they're in their late late teens 18 19 20 21 22 at the oldest and they had just lost in the world series and here they are doing yeah. something like that yeah they they, they they so it's a huge testament to what kind of men that coach you know fostered into his ball players and um and these young men just got this huge upset and what do we want to do when we have an upset we want to feel better and how do we feel better when we're in college well, I didn't go to college, so I don't know. But I, I know how I felt better when I was in my late teens. Yeah, absolutely. But they didn't have any of that on their mind. You know, they immediately came to give that young boy an experience um, to try to repay as much of the spirit as he is so freely given given to them and given to everyone that they that he crossed paths with. And that's a testament to uh, that's a testament to his to his parents. You know, uh, what kind of son y'all raised and and. And what kind of children y'all, y'all are raising? Um, the human spirit is such an amazing thing, and like you quote him saying, just never ever give up. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish the same for you. Uh, you're opening uh, brick and mortar, and soon. Hope to within the next six to eight months in the process of trying to find a place. Okay, but until then, where can people follow you and find you so that they know where to go to get yeah. that amazing cookie? Oh, absolutely. And thank you for the free cookie, by oh. the way. That makes it even better. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, you can find on a goldribbonconfections.com um, on the internet, but also on Facebook, Instagram, Gold Ribbons, uh, Confections. Um, you can online order there. Also work out of a kitchen in Arlington, so um, can pick up. Uh, there but also during this month this month is childhood cancer awareness month september mm-hmm. so um we are doing uh jars uh these little jars of cookies that have like the cookies you mentioned but also some others they're a mason jar and they have about a dozen to 15 but they're 12 bucks they have a little picture of micah on it 
a little thing about the Neuroblastoma Foundation at Cook's. Of those jars, six bucks of that jar is going straight to uh, Cook Children's. And already this month, it's been pretty crazy. Just done it about a week ago, and I've already sold about close to 200. And so I just set out trying to, I figured maybe I'd do something little, but it's kind of blown up. And so it's just pretty amazing to be able to, to, to give that back, um, to continue to help other kids there. Where can people get those jars? Just go online and go to your go online on any of those Facebook, Instagram website. You can order on website. You can message, call me, um, and I'll give you the details about picking them up. You can also mail them. I've mailed them to some people too. So, um, so so you you don't just do elaborate big cakes for weddings. You I mean you do everything, right? Yes, yes um, sir. And uh, you you've spoken. Um, you know, kind of the theme was that we need to know when to ask for help, mm-hmm. when to know, when to ask other men. <clears throat> so I'd like to give you the opportunity to whatever you need help with right now. Do you need help with uh, people packing mason jars? Do you need help with people <laughs> delivering stuff? Do you just need people to email you and tell you their problems? Like what? what? Uh, man, There's got to be something. Oh, well, Yeah. <laughs> I've, I always need help it, and I'm still in the process of learning to let people <laughs> because I still struggle with a part of not always asking, but yeah, I, I definitely need, uh, I need help. Um, one, I mean, I've been getting a great group of people around me with the business to help, but yeah. I always, always open to people who, who are knowledgeable, gifted or willing to help, um, in that area mentor whatever like there's a lot i need to learn in that area um there are some events coming up like in that i'll be involved in i'm and so i'm gonna do a thing for make a wish for a big fundraiser okay um and so probably will need help with that but during thanksgiving do a lot so there's always help and if people want to help me with that um i'm gonna need to hire another person part-time so if there's any person out there that wants to learn to bake and has the time and so there's always that help too no so, experience required a willing heart and uh clean a good work nails. ethic yeah. and clean yeah clean thing <laughs> i mean i'll take if a person has a desire and the willingness to learn that's i'll take that any day versus someone who has a lot of experience but thinks they know it all so yeah no no experience necessary and your contact information is on the website. That's correct. Yes, sir. Excellent. Well, um, I want to thank you, brother, for taking the time. Um, I'm sorry for the heartache that you've experienced in your life, but but just from knowing you from these sh- short moments, I'm proud of the man that you are. Um, just don't give up. Just keep doing it, man. Thank you. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Circle of Dads podcast. We do not have to be uh, perfect, but we do have to be present. Love runs downhill. We chase those kids until the day we die. I'm Ryan. I'm your host. See you next time.